This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, the questions of what happened and what caused the failures at, with Silicon Valley Bank are still being worked through. But what is known is that the potential impact from this failure and as well Signature Bank could have impacts well beyond the banks themselves. Itai Goldstein is professor of finance at the Wharton School and joins us to take a deeper look at this. Itai, great to talk to you again. Great being with you. Thank you. So a larger scale, what is it that you believe happened that led to the collapse of SVB? You know, what's so striking about the collapse of SVB is just how classic of a bank run it is. Uh, you didn't have any esoteric uh, investments or complicated risks. It was kind of a textbook uh, of the kind of risks that banks are taking. Uh, they uh, did the maturity transformation that banks are usually doing. Um, you know, one thing I would say is they didn't hedge it uh, very much. They probably could have done uh, more of that. At the end of the day, they were exposed to the risk of an interest, an interest rate uh, increase, which we all know happened. Uh, and this is why the value of their assets uh, dropped. Now, what happens in those cases is depositors can take their money out at any moment. Uh, and depositors here, I think, were a little unique because depositors were all very sophisticated and were also communicating with each other. So the rumors kind of uh, spread like wildfire. And then uh, they all uh, decided to take their money out around the same time, and the bank uh, collapsed. So it was really kind of an old school uh, bank run. We thought we were out of the woods with this kind of risks. We thought the risks that we faced were more in the non-bank uh, sector. Uh, but then this one came and reminded us that these uh, risks are still uh, alive. So is most of your focus then on the bank itself and the and what it, what the bank did and, and maybe the leadership of the bank and how they reacted to it. Because there's obviously a lot of other theories that are being thrown out there in terms of you know, with the rates, but how the Fed reacted, uh, you know, some of the moves in and the questions of, you know, should the San Francisco Fed have been able to foresee this and maybe able to do more? Um, you know, I, I think we will need to look at that more going forward. Uh, certainly, uh, there is some blame to, to be shared. I, I think some of it is the, is the bank itself, but some of it is also uh, what regulators could have done and uh, perhaps could have predicted. Uh, you know, some of the regulation that was enacted after the 2008 crisis was rolled back. And this is why a bank like uh, SVB was not subject to such strict rules as, as before. Um, I think this will need to be looked at. Uh, so certainly, I'm not saying that others should not have seen that. Um, I was just describing the, the kind of uh, portfolio and uh, dynamic among uh, depositors that I think led to the immediate collapse. In, in terms of the move by the government to backstop the, uh, the, the losses that were there, a good move overall? <laughs> uh, I think that's a very loaded question. Yeah. So... Um, Certainly, I understand where it's coming from. I think the, there was a concern uh, that this is going to become systemic. Uh, now, I have to say, uh, you know, SVB itself is not really a systemically important bank. It's not one of the biggest banks. It's uh, number 16, I think, in size in the U.S. So it's kind of a mid-sized bank and not 
very strongly connected to other banks. So it's not kind of the usual type of systemic risk uh, that, that we are thinking about. Uh, but there was some concern because it's a bank with a lot of visibility. Uh, the fact that it was so widely covered, I think, suggested that other people in other banks could look at this and say, wait a second, what's going on? If this bank is failing, maybe our bank is going to fail as well. And then this is going to trigger bank runs across other banks. So I think there was this concern. There was also the concern that uh, the tech industry, a lot of the startups were highly dependent on this uh, bank. Uh, a lot of small firms were holding money there, uh, millions and millions of dollars, and payable payments depended on what's going to happen with this bank. So there was some concern that if there is a failure of this bank and there is no reaction by the government, a lot of firms are going to lose money and this is going to trigger a crisis in the tech industry and the real economy as a result of that. So I certainly understand those concerns and the fact that the Fed and the government wanted to step in quickly and take an action. However, uh, one has to wonder whether we needed to have such a broad uh, guarantee. Because remember, at the end of the day, when you think about deposit insurance, it is structured in a particular way. Uh, insured deposits are up to $250,000. Uh, people know that if they want to keep their money insured, they need to keep it up to that level. And if they want more insurance, they have to spread it across different banks. Uh, now, you know, it's very difficult to know exactly what is the optimal level of deposit insurance. I worked on this myself, and I know how difficult it is to, to pin it down. Um, but at the end of the day, there is uh, some meaning to having insured versus uninsured. Now, when the government comes in and says, okay, everything is effectively insured from now on, I think that changes the, the rules of the game. And I think that going forward, this may have some undesirable consequences for the banking industry, the way people think about their bank deposits, the risks that banks are taking, the risks that depositors are taking, and, and so on. So one has to wonder, does it even mean anything right now that there is a deposit insurance limit? Uh, what is the difference between insured and uninsured deposits going forward? I think all these questions are up in the air and, and we'll, need, we'll need to deal with them in the aftermath of this crisis. But I would imagine that probably a lot of uh, banks and maybe even smaller and regional banks were probably, after this started to occur, looking at their own sheets and making sure that they were in a pretty good position so that they wouldn't feel some of, you know, potentially the same type of contagion, right? Um, I would assume this is the case, yes. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, going back to what I said in the beginning, uh, SVB did not do a lot of risk management, and I think it could have done more. Uh, and I think that other banks are now looking at what happened with SVB and probably looking for the same types of risk and, and considering how they could change that. But remember, once the government comes in and guarantees a bunch of deposits and uh, make the failure less painful, uh, then it also reduces the incentive of other banks to manage their risks. So this is the downside of providing such a broad level of guarantee. And I guess that's that's really a situation that is only going to occur at least right now for this specific case in terms of the backstop provided. There may be other situations where it'll at least be considered and reviewed as we move down the road. But as you said, I, I and I think a lot of people said this as well, the concern that you have is that this potentially does open the door if you have full-time, full guarantee backstop the potential for other types of activities to go on that may not be in the best interest of the banking sector in general. 
Yes, exactly. And, you know, this is the classic moral hazard problem that we keep emphasizing. Now, you know, it's very easy to talk about moral hazard uh, when things are calm. Uh, in a time of a crisis, you know, when the house is burning, you're not thinking about moral hazard, you just want to stop the fire. Uh, and I think this is the justification uh, that the, the Fed would give why they did what they did. Uh, however, the question is whether the house was indeed uh, in such a severe fire, whether it uh, necessitated such a drastic uh, move. Uh, in 2008, for example, uh, you know, we had a crisis that lasted for months and months uh, before we saw actions at that uh, scale. Um, I think here, uh, you know, this was basically kind of brewing over a weekend, uh, and immediately they uh, provided this level of uh, guarantee, effectively a, a bailout. Uh, so one has to wonder whether they acted a little uh, too, too quickly. They, they certainly got worried that things are going to get out of control very quickly, and this is why they decided to do it. Um, I think there is a the concern that it might have gone a little uh, too far too quickly. How much also does this, and, and obviously with what is going on with Credit Suisse and, and a couple of the other banks, this becomes even a larger, more global perspective of, of really kind of taking a deeper dive into kind of the structure and, and the, the deposits and, and everything that the bank is doing on a daily basis. Yes, you know, uh, Credit Suisse is uh, now the ongoing uh, episode that uh, we are still watching. Uh, I think certainly Credit Suisse has the potential to be a much bigger issue. It is a, a big uh, global bank. Um, I think it is going to be very difficult to uh, save uh, Credit Suisse, given that uh, it is so big. Uh, so resolving it is, is going to be a, a big issue. I, I hope uh, we, we're watching it as, as we speak. I, I hope there will be uh, uh, a good uh, solution with uh, Credit Suisse. But, but certainly if, if this one uh, fails, uh, th this might be very painful and this can start something that is much bigger than uh, what we had with SVD. Uh, certainly, you know, this is the thing to watch right now. And, and this, I think, is going to be critical. Uh, as to whether we're going to face a bigger financial crisis or not. So in regards to SVP, SVB, as this starts to move forward, what are you most watchful for right now? What is it that you're looking to see how, the, how this will play out in the next several weeks? Um, so, so I think what we're looking to see is what happens with other banks that are kind of similar to, to SVB, you know, mid-sized regional uh, banks, uh, to see whether there are uh, more runs uh, down the road, more failures down the road. Um, this is exactly what the Fed was uh, trying to, to stop uh, when they did what they did. Um, and I think, uh, you know, it's still kind of tense in the financial system. I think everyone is watching to see if there are more failures. Um, I think SVB itself is kind of a, a, done, a done deal. We kind of know uh, what, what happened to it um, and, and there is the, the guarantee on it. But really, the big question is whether this is going to continue to spread uh, to, to other banks. I, I think the, the other thing to watch going forward that is also a very important implication of uh, the policy that was uh, enacted is, uh, you know, what, what is the Fed going to do with monetary policy? Because, um, you know, for a while now, the Fed is increasing rates uh, in order to fight inflation. Uh, and I think the indication was that it was going to continue to do that because inflation was not cooling off uh, as quickly as expected. Uh, we always knew that there is a trade-off. There is price stability on the one hand and there is financial stability on the other hand. 
And it was well known that uh, as you increase rates very quickly, uh, this can open cracks in the financial system and lead to episodes of uh, fragility and, and crisis. Um, and, you know, for a while now, uh, rates were increasing and there wasn't any major crack. So I think there was the hope that maybe we uh, dodged a bullet and it's not going to happen. I think that SVB, uh, maybe above all, was a very vivid uh, reminder uh, that this risk is there and that this is a, re a very real uh, trade-off. Uh, so I think the, the other interesting, uh, interesting thing to watch going forward is what the Fed is going to do with the interest rate and to what extent the Fed will continue uh, with tightening the, the monetary policy. Itai, great to have you with us. Thanks very much. All the best. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Itai Goldstein, uh, finance professor here at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.